Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, great, as we have announced that we are pausing our life groups and to the first of the year, we're going to be concentrating on prayer and believing God for the harvest of souls. Now, because as this church begins to focus on winning souls for Christ, that means you're going into the harvest. And the harvest right now belongs to someone else. When we go in there to get it, we're going to have to fight. See, we're going to be confronting the devil's kingdom. See, churches that are willing to go into the harvest are going to be willing to battle because there's going to be resistance when we do that. That's why we have to spend time in prayer. We will be confronting the devil's kingdom. The devil will respond when we go into the harvest field and we want to free people from his stronghold. The devil will respond the way he always does with schemes to discourage us, to try to get us to back off, to try to get us to quit, to try to get us to throw our hands up and say it's not worth it. Well, I want to tell you it is worth it. The Apostle Jude wrote in his letter, there's only one chapter, verse 17, Jude says this, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, we're in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Jude said, snatch others from the fire and save them. Brother Chris Osiris and I have just experienced doing that a couple weeks ago. Brother Chris reached out to a man that lived in the apartments right over here and uh, by the name of Keith. He ministered to him, and about three weeks ago, he came to our life group. And he was eager. He came eager, and he came hungry to know about the Lord. Well, he came back the next week. He was, had his Bible. He wanted to highlight all the scriptures we were talking about. I said, we're going to highlight this scripture, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you confess the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth and believe in your heart, and I read him those scriptures for salvation. He read it. We highlighted it. I said, do you believe that? He says, yes. I said, are you 
ready to do that? He said, yes. So I knelt down and I prayed with him and he accepted the Lord. And Brother Chris can tell you and I think Brother Paul can tell you he was sitting there. The man lit up. I mean, he, he lit up and he said, something just happened to me. He said, I felt it. I said, I know, the Holy Ghost came into you. He couldn't stop thanking us for doing that. Well, we just heard last week that Keith passed away. Right here in the apartments next door. See, so we did what the Apostle Jude said to do. We got to snatch him from the fire. We snatched Keith from the fire. Because a month ago, he didn't know Christ. But he knows he knew Christ a couple weeks ago, and it was his time to go. See, Satan doesn't like us doing that. He doesn't like us doing that. He will try to attack this ministry from without and from within. He will try to attack. Four decades of ministry, my wife and I, after passing four churches, and every time we made some progress, every time we began winning souls to Christ, every time the church began to grow, we saw it. The devil will come in and try to divide. He will try to cause a ruckus, either from out, from without, and from within. And we got to be aware of that. Satan wants to hinder the harvest. He doesn't want us harvesting those people he have in bondage. So Satan wants to hinder it. That's why the church, that's why we're shutting down our life groups and we're going to go to prayer. We're going to go to prayer. We're going to let the devil know we're not backing down. <laughs> we're going to keep going no matter what. See, Paul said this, that we have to be aware of the schemes of the devil. We can't be foolish thinking that he's going to let us go and get everybody without any fight. No, no, no. we got to be aware of that. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 2.11. In order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. My wife and I, we talked about it, said the devil's going to come. The more we try to reach people for Christ, the devil's going to come. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a, a battle. But thank God the battle's not ours. The battle belongs to the Lord. We got to be a church that not only has a heart for the lost, but also a burden and a vision. In other words, we got to have a battle plan. We have it. It's in place. We already got it. We have a battle plan. We have a burden to do it. God needs to get our hearts right to go out and win the loss for Christ. That's why Jesus told the disciples to open their eyes. John chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus said, do not say four months more than the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. See, we got to open our eyes. We got to be able to see the harvest. We can't be a church that's just going to walk by the harvest and don't do anything. 
No, we got to be a church that sees the harvest. We got to open up our eyes. The harvest is people without Christ. The harvest is people that have not repented and have been born again like, like Brother Keith did a few weeks ago. He became born again because he heard the gospel and he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what, is the, what does the harvest really look like? The Apostle Paul describes it to the Galatian church. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. He says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this would not inherit the kingdom of God. So the people who fit these descriptions won't inherit the kingdom of God. But what will they inherit? Jesus describes what they're going to get. In a place he mentioned seven times in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 13, 42 says they will, they will throw them into the fiery furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus quoted that seven times in the Gospel of Matthew. Seven times. In fact, he talked about that place more than he talked about heaven. Why? Because he don't want them going there. And this is why the church is here. Now, the Apostle Paul gives another description of them to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. He said, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Paul was saying that we ought to be able to recognize these people because we were just like them. We can't close our eyes to what they were doing. We were doing it too. God said, we, but we were washed. We were cleansed. We were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can see and hear them doing the same things we did. So our eyes should be open to see them. They're in the same bondage that we were in. They were doing the same things we are doing no different. So we ought to be able to see the harvest. When the Lord says, open your eyes, it's, it's simple. These people are doing what we were doing before we came to Christ. So when you see somebody like that, that's the harvest. That's what the harvest looks like. People doing what we used to do. That's what the harvest looks like. So we can't be blinded to that. You can't say, well, where's the harvest? Look out there. 
See yourself. See yourself. These people need to be, look, you know when crops are harvested, we've been running through the country. We went up to North Louisiana to, to speak at a church there just this week. And you go up in the country, they, they're growing all kind of stuff, corn, all kind of wheat, whatever. You know, when you harvest the fruit of the, of, the, of the harvest field, you take the fruit out of the field. That's what we're doing. When we're harvesting these people for the Lord, what we want to do is take them out of their field where they're at. See, we've got to take them to a new field. We've got to take them into a, a new place. It's not that place where they were. So how are these people going to be harvested? Well, I titled the message, Tell Them to Come. Just tell them to come. They got to be invited. They ain't walking in this place. They got to just walk in here. That's why many years ago, when I was in Chalmette, that we went from a traditional church to a small group church, a cell church back then we called it. We went out into the harvest field. I told the people at a leadership there, God didn't call me to sit here and hope that somebody walks through the door on Sunday morning. I said, we're going to get out of here. We're going to go into the harvest field, and we're going to tell them to come. Now, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? We'll have to go to the closing verses of the last page of the Bible, the book of Revelation to find out who's going to get them. Who's going to tell them to come? Revelation 22, 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David in the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Verse 17 here is the most evangelistic text in the entire Bible. This explains it, how to go into the harvest field. No doubt, wicked people, Jesus says it right here, some ain't going to make it. He calls them the dogs on the outside. The sexually immoral, the witchcraft people, all of that's going to be on the outside. Only those who have their robes washed are going in. That's us. But a lot of people are going to refuse to repent and believe. That's okay. We still got to ask them to come. So in the end, unrepented sinners won't enter the gates in the city of God. I'm going to go through. 
I made up my mind 50 years ago, I'm going through. But now the opportunity still remains for them out there. There's still hope for them. Still hope for them. There's four invitations to come, we see in these last few verses. The first invitation comes from the spirit and the bride. They say, come. The spirit and the bride are those together that make evangelism possible. Without that, it's not possible. The spirit, we know, is certainly the Holy Spirit who is responsible to convict, convince the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness. And we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. We can't do it. See, the bride now is the church. Both the church and the spirit are the ones who witness about the bridegroom. The bridegroom is Jesus. We, we're going to witness about him. Without the bride's witness, once you think about this, which is the church, the Holy Spirit is voiceless. You got that? The only way the Holy Spirit can invite the world out there is through the church, us. If we shut our mouths, the world goes down. We are the church. The Spirit of God gives us the voice to go and evangelize. Now, the Holy Spirit is voiceless without us. God's going to accomplish His will through the church, through the body of Christ. That's us. That's how God is going to fulfill His plan for this world. That is why the gifts of the Holy Spirit are so important in this church. We have to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. But then again, the church without the Spirit is powerless. We need both. We, the church, need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs us, the church. Together, we can go out into the harvest field. Both of these joined together in urging the world to come to salvation in Christ. So the church empowered by the Holy Spirit invites the world to come. That's how we're going to go. There's another invitation. The second invitation comes and let him who hears say come. There's another invitation. The one who hears the gospel and has responded in faith and has been born again, this is every one of us. If you claim to be born again believer, you must invite others to receive the salvation that we have received. The one who hears stands to remind all of us that if we've heard the good news and are saved, we have a responsibility responsibility to invite others. It seems to me that that ought to be a natural thing. I don't know about you. When I got saved, I want to tell everybody. And I didn't even know what I was talking about. All I knew is that something happened to me that was so magnificent that I had to tell people about it. They thought it was just church. I said, no, it's not church. Something happened to me. And you need it. 
You don't have to be a Bible scholar to tell somebody to come. You don't have to know all that. Just tell them there's a, a better way for you. There's a better life for you. Jesus is that life. The third invitation is this. It says, whoever is thirsty, let him come. Now, the only person who can respond to the gospel is one who is thirsty. I got thirsty 50 years ago. I, I didn't know where to go get a drink, but I knew I was getting thirsty. Brother Keith, who just passed away, who was snatched out of the fire, he met the Lord and he believed on the Lord. But he came to that meeting thirsty. I'd never seen anybody. He had his Bible. Every time we talked, he said, can you highlight that? We was taking his Bible, highlighting every verse of Scripture we were talking about. He came, he came thirsty. Because he was aware of his need for eternal life, and he earnestly began to seek. You know, the Bible said he will seek finds. You said, we got people out there that are seeking, they're going to find. As Christians, we got to realize that part of the task of evangelizing is to make people spiritually thirsty. Now, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Our lives should be so salty that everybody we get around becomes thirsty. That's why Jesus, say it again. <laughs> Our lives should be so salty that everybody we come into contact with will become thirsty. But Jesus said, if the salt loses its saltiness, you ain't no good. Ain't no good to anybody. Listen, that saltiness works. I've had people over my life, even before I became a minister, that people would come and say, what is it about you? See, they need to see something about you that is not natural. Christianity is not natural. When the supernatural Holy Spirit lives in you, you're no longer natural. You're supernatural. You ought to be different. You ought to look different, act different, talk different. Our lives should be salty enough that people are going to say, man, what is it? What is it about you? See, the fruit of the Holy Spirit must be so evident in our life that it causes people to thirst for it. I want that. Give me some of that. How do you get that? Brother Keith couldn't understand why Brother Chris and his wife, Lisa, cared so much for him. He gave the testimony. He said, he said, he said Brother Chris kept coming to help us, and he just kept coming. And come. He said, why is this guy doing this? He had to find out. He found out. It was after his soul. 
That's, that's what we were after. It caused him to have a thirst for what he saw in, in Brother Chris. He wanted to know why people act like this. By God's grace, whoever becomes aware of their thirst is welcome. Let them come. See, during Jesus' earthly ministry, he was at, at the Feast of the Jews the last day. He stood up in John chapter 7, verse 37. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Remember Jesus when he was at the well with the Samaritan woman? Jesus asked the woman, get me a drink out of there. She said, why are you asking me for a drink? He said, if you only knew who was asking you for the drink, you would ask him. And he will give you water you will never thirst again. She got it. And guess what? After she got it, she brought a whole city back out. <laughs> you see, when you start drinking, when your thirst gets satisfied, you ought to be bringing a whole city in. You need to bring a whole city in. They ought, to, they ought to say, what is it with you? Come, come see. This leads directly to the fourth invitation. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Whoever wishes, anyone can come. Now, anytime, during their earthly life. It doesn't matter what condition they're in. Don't matter. People say, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't fit there. No, you don't fit. You need to come and fit. People say, I need to clean up my life before I come. No, you don't need to clean up your life. You just need to come. See? Well, I don't have clothes. We don't care if you have clothes. Just come. So all you got to do is come. You want to know? Just, just come. You see? It doesn't matter what condition they're in. They can come and drink of the water of life. They can take the free gift. That's the amazing part. It's free. It's free. See, the spirit and the bride say come. See, the bride here, it's at the end of the book. That bride is the end time church. That's us. Hate to say it. Jesus can come back anytime now. We are the end time church. I believe this generation will see the Lord. I hope I'm still around enough. I've been doing this for 50 years. Been waiting for the Lord to come. I hope I'm still around. If not, y'all can take it. Okay, I'm going on. The bride here is the end time church. But I want to tell you something. Everything that calls itself the church today is not the church. Their groups are not serious about winning people of Christ. That ain't the end time church. The end time church is looking for the end time harvest. They ain't just sitting there. No, they're out there getting it. They're not gathering the harvest. The end time church will gather in the harvest. See, those churches, or, or, or so-called churches, if they are not trying to win the harvest, the devil don't care about them. They can have their hoopla and they can do all they want to do. They can put on a big show. They can do all of that. And the people gather in. The devil don't care about them. 
But let a church put its heart and its mind to win the lost. You better be up for it because he's coming. He's coming. And he's going to come with everything he's got. He's going to come with accusations against the pastor. He's going to come against accusations against the leaders. He's going to say those people ain't no good. All of that. Be ready for it. Be ready for it. Because the devil is cunning. <laughs> he will do whatever he can to stop a church like this from winning the loss. The end time church that will commit to win the loss will be attacked. Just the way it is. My wife and I, <laughs> we said that we've seen this time and time again, time and time again. But let me tell you something. We will not be overcome. Amen. Revelation chapter 12, let me, let me uh, read this. John said in Revelation 12, 10, he said, Then I heard a loud voice in the heavens say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. He's been hurled down. He's with us now, the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. They overcame him. That is, he was defeated by the end time church, in his attempt to destroy the church, he was defeated. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Nothing will prosper. We will overcome, just like they did, by the blood of the Lamb. The blood that makes us holy. The blood that makes us right with God. The blood that makes us withstand the false accusations that will come against us and everybody that puts their hand to the plow here will come against you. The devil will bring against us. I want to read you something that kind of blew my mind. Somebody sent me a message Friday. I didn't get it to Saturday because I don't use that app, the messenger. They sent it to me on the messenger. I want to read it to you. It starts out like this. Mr. Catalanato, when I'm addressed like that, I know it's trouble. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has been dealing with me about relating this experience that happened at the tabernacle while you were pastor. My wife Pam and I attended your church for a baptism from, for our niece, Rachel Anise Ham, around 1999. I'm talking 22 years ago. <laughs> 22 years ago, I was pastoring in Chalmette. You got that? We are seated. We were seated on the left side of the church. 
two or three rows from the front. I was seated at the end of the row on the inside aisle seat. As we waited patiently for the ceremony to begin, my head was in a bowed position as I stared at the floor beneath my feet. From out of nowhere, I was overwhelmed by a supernatural experience. I can only compare it to what the scripture says about Moses' experience when he was in the presence of God. It can be best described at this juncture of my life as being in the presence of God's holiness. It caused me to bow in utter obedience to the presence of such a power I had never before been exposed to. After what seemed like a longer period of time than it actually was, one to two seconds, my head was able to rise up, and I saw your backside, sir. You had just walked past me as you were heading to the pulpit area. My opinion of you had been prematurely misinformed by what some others had said about you. Nevertheless to say that upon reflection of this manifestation of God's presence, my opinion was transformed. <laughs> 22 years, I just got it. 22 years ago, the man said he came to service, a baptismal service, but his opinion of me was discarded by what people were saying about me. Now, what in the world? I, he left his phone number. I will call him today to ask him what in the world made him send me that 22 years later. i tell you why, because it's going to encourage me. That's what I told my wife. I said, look, people are going to talk about me. I don't care. The only thing that matters is what happened with him. He said, I walked past him. The presence of God hit him. That's why it's so important here that when people walk in that door there, I don't care what they heard about us, when they come in here, they got to sense the presence of God. That's why we worship him. That's why we wait on him. That's why we want him. That's why we desire him to be here. You see? It's going to be by the blood of the Lamb. Then it's going to be by the word of our testimony. We must possess a faithful testimony to the truth of the gospel. We can't be phoning here. You got to be real. You got to be real here. See, a testimony that prevails in times of persecution and the efforts of Satan to destroy the church. Our testimony has to stand. No matter what comes our way, we have to stand. We have to stand. 
And look what the end time people, the end time church did. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I hate to tell you this, but persecution's coming. I've been saying this for 20 years now. Our government don't like us. The devil don't like us. Persecution is going to come. You saw a bit of it during the COVID-19 thing when the government tried to keep us from meeting. That's the first grab. They tried to grab on the church, telling us and forbidding us from meeting. It ain't going to get any easier. They're still coming. We can't shrink back. We can't. We can't shrink back. We can't. We got to hold to our testimony. So if death cannot deter us, then there's nothing else that can stop us from telling them to come. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me. Hallelujah. We got to do this. I do this. If you're here today, and you really never accepted the invitation, to come means you're coming to Jesus. Coming to the Savior of the world. Come means you want. Your life right with God. There is rest in the darkness of all who see Whatever you need, I can't control. 